The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is the division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Debt-to-income ratio is a key number when deciding whether to approve a borrower's loan application. For for millennials and Gen Z, student debt can really hurt that DTI. So would student loan forgiveness put more of them on a path to homeownership? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. Today, I'm joined by Urban Institute policy analyst Caitlin Young and research analyst Jason Cohn. Caitlin and Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. So the two of you did a study. That's why we're having you on about uh, President Biden's student uh, loan forgiveness proposal and and how that might affect home policy. But I guess, Jason, just to start it off, help us sort of understand the student debt situation, uh, put it into context, sort of, you know, the kind the amount of student debt that some students or graduates rather are facing. Yeah, so. Right now, the the median amount of student debt that that borrowers have is around twenty thousand dollars, and so when we're looking at the student debt forgiveness proposal, um, forgiving ten thousand dollars for borrowers making under one hundred twenty five thousand um, would be for for a good chunk of people their full balances, and then the additional ten thousand dollars for Pell Grant recipients um, is going to be you know, even more more of those entire balances being wiped out. Um, I think it is important to to remember though that there are a lot of borrowers who have a lot more student debt than that, and so um, this isn't necessarily gonna gonna make their payments go away immediately. Um, it'll just kind of reduce their overall balance. And so I don't know if either one of you has a number for. Do we have an idea of how many more? Recent college graduates might might become, I don't know, eligible or but but would would sort of this might make the difference for them to to get a home or not get a home. Oh, I mean, I don't think that our analysis gives us an answer as to the exact number of people that would be moved into home ownership by this, um, just because it also kind of depends on people's behavior, um, and you know if they want to become homeowners. But basically, we our analysis shows that at the margins, this definitely does has the, have the potential where if student debt was the one thing that was standing in the way for people, which there is evidence to suggest there are households where that is the case, then, you know, a lot of those households could be moved into homeownership. And, and obviously, as, as you said, this is a hard number to, to try to quantify. Um, for some borrowers, right, this would lower their DTI and, and they would possibly become uh, eligible or, or they would get their, their applications approved. Are there other ways that this might help people, not the next day, but perhaps accelerate their path to homeownership just by some of this forgiveness? Um, I can take that also unless you want to go ahead, 
Jason. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of ways that this could, you know, move people potentially into homeownership further down the line, um, which we talked about in our analysis. So one of those is just, you know, increased savings. So even if you still have student loan debt outstanding, you know, if your monthly payments are lowered because of this forgiveness plan, um, then you have more money to put aside toward, uh, you know, future homeownership purchase, towards the future down payment. Um, and it also definitely has the potential to improve uh, people's credit histories and credit scores. Um, and uh, in the underwriting process, credit scores, credit history is a major thing that lenders um, use to consider whether someone's going to be an eligible borrower or not. So those are two ways that it's definitely, um, you know, maybe that won't happen right away, but definitely down the line, more people could benefit from that if we moved into homeownership. Your report also points out that this could help close the the homeownership gap, racial gap, uh, and, and certainly that's a gap that we've seen widen even with other uh, legislation passed to try to close it. Jason, what is it about student loan debt forgiveness in particular that would help Black borrowers even more and would help to close that gap? Yeah, so there's a, a couple things going on there. Um, one is that we know Black students are more likely to borrow for their education in general. So they're more likely to have loans than white students at all. And then we also know that they tend to borrow more and are more likely to receive Pell Grants in college. So if they receive a Pell Grant to, uh, to help them pay for their education at any point during school, they're gonna get that extra $10,000 of loan forgiveness. Whereas borrowers who didn't get the Pell Grant are getting a total of 10,000. Um, so they're doubling their amount of debt forgiven. And uh, um, overall black borrowers and, uh, and other borrowers of color are more likely to have received a Pell Grant. Um, uh, it, we cite the numbers in the analysis. It's um, around, 80, uh, 88% of Black borrowers received a Pell Grant of those who enrolled first in the 2011-12 academic year, um, compared with 60% of white borrowers. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And I'm sure the two of you have, have seen the criticisms of, of this proposal, including the fact that, you know, students choose to take out loans to go to college. They could choose to go to a, a, a less expensive school or choose to take a path that doesn't require them to take out loans. And why should this be a responsibility for the taxpayers to, to do this forgiveness? I guess I just want to open up, uh, starting with you, Jason, and Caitlin, you can chime in as well if you want to. You know, why why is this a policy we should take on? Why is this something that, that uh, should come from tax dollars? Um, you know, I don't I don't really think as as researchers, it's our our place to say whether that's something that that we should take on or not. Um, I think, you know, there you can obviously find plenty of arguments out there. Um, but, you know, what, what we can say is that this is is something that is going to make a difference for for some borrowers. Um, and, uh, and there is going to be that racial equity impact. 
Sure. Fair enough. I guess, Caitlin, just to, to bring you on this and, and to maybe be more specific with, with a, a question here um, is that, you know, there are people with with other kinds of debt, credit card debt, car loans. Um, you know, maybe they've had to take on some payday loans to, to get through financially. And and those are, are areas where there is no forgiveness. And, and the solution is to work with them on financial literacy, work with them uh, to, to save money. Um, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't know if you have an opinion, but why is this something that um, we should do forgiveness with student loans? Why isn't the, the, the financial literacy route the, the answer to their problem as well? Um, I'm a little inclined to agree with Jason here. You know, as researchers, we just have, we just run the numbers um, and, you know, tell you what they say. Um, which, you know, it shows basically that like this policy does have the potential to, you know, provide an economic boost for many households and people into home ownership. Um, you know, like maybe that would be the case with other types of debt. We don't know. Um, but yeah, the scope of our analysis was basically just to show, you know, how would this policy affect home ownership? So I wasn't going to comment on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, just, just lastly, and and you both can can chime in from your different areas of expertise here, because you're not the the first to point this out. I mean, the Fed has looked at this from a different way years ago. That that student debt is a major reason why millennials weren't buying homes after after the the 08 crash, and and now we're seeing that it's it's burdening uh, Gen Z as well. Um, so this is not obviously a new problem. Uh, I guess just looking long term, I don't know if you have suggestions or you can just talk about the need to address the cost of higher education and the fact that so many people have to take on loans to go to school. And, and we've seen the different ways that it, it impacts people's uh, financial decisions and life decisions once they graduate. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we've seen some evidence in in research that student debt does cause a, a slight delay in homeownership. Um, I think, uh, there, there are a lot of other things going on too, though, you know, housing costs have also increased. Um, and we also see that people who are struggling with their student debt are struggling with lots of other kinds of debt. Um, and, you know, they're not necessarily going to be the, the types of households that are, um, in a place that they could afford a house if not for their student loan. Um, and so I think, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, as you mentioned, the, that going forward, how we can address the, the cost of higher education, obviously this is something that appears at least to only be happening one time. Um, and it's, it doesn't address the, the root of the issue, which is the, the rising costs of education. Um, and so that's an area where. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of researchers are going to be looking into what we can do with Pell Grants, what we can do with accountability policies um, and and other types of financial aid to to try and keep prices down for especially for lower income students. And, and Caitlin, just to bring you in this, because because our audience is mostly mortgage originators, like to tailor the question more to the mortgage industry and, and lending in general. What are some obviously it's it's not the lending industry's place to to address um to to address student loans, but are there things that the industry can do to help people, you know, once they've graduated college and they and maybe they have 
the student debt and it's more than they appreciated the kind of problem that they're having. What are some things that the lending industry can do to help people get on the path to home ownership now that they're dealing with the, the fallout of taking on something like student debt? Um, so I think, I mean, that is a very good question. Uh, one thing that has changed recently um, is, I think it's Fannie Mae's treatment of um, IDR. Jason, also correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, but basically in debt to income ratios, which has been a benefit to, um, you know, people with student debt, basically they've changed the calculation so that it has less of a burden on the DTI ratio. That's like one example. Um, you know, people have a strong credit history or strong, you know, they're like paying their monthly bills on time and it's basically just the student debt that is causing the barrier, thinking of ways to, you know, consider that into um, mortgage applications. That's definitely one way that I think lenders could help potentially move more people into home ownership. Um, Jason, do you have any other comments to add to that? No, I think you you pretty much covered it. Yeah, the um, the kind of recent changes with how income driven repayment is calculated in debt to income ratios, I think, is um, it is a bit a big factor just because it makes it a little bit more more reflective of what people are actually owing every month. Jason and Caitlin, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We'll have your headlines right after this word. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here are your headlines for today, September 21st. Mortgage applications rebounded this week, rising 3.8% after falling for six straight weeks. The rebound was driven by refis, which rose by 10%. Even still, refi activity is still down 83% from this time last year. Purchase loans also rose up, ticking by 1%, and hopefully that's a positive sign, especially since home sales were down in August. That makes the seventh straight month of declines. But unfortunately, Fannie Mae is predicting a recession in early 2023. Fannie Mae also lowered its forecast for home sales by the end of the year by 12% and by 12.8% for next year. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.